Hallelujah. I want to continue from a couple weeks ago. I preached on the power of praise in a battle strategy. And I want to take a little bit more this morning. Um, so if you want to go back to that page where it said the battle strategies, we're going to continue on that. To me, praise is so powerful. Praise is not just something we do Sunday morning. Praise is not something you just do when you come inside of a sanctuary or a cathedral or any temple, any place where we're worshiping and people are worshiping. Praise does not just happen there. Praise is a lifestyle. Praise is something that comes out of you, literally every breath that you take starts to emanate and starts to have praise in it. But it's not something that just happens, it's something that you actually work on, it's something that you practice, it's something that you determine to do. So I want to take a few minutes this morning and I just want to give you some verses, a couple verses about the importance of praise. I want to show you a few verses on importance of praise, and then I want to just give you some thoughts about how to develop that in your life. How, how can you become somebody that's somebody of a praise? So first of all, what is praise? Praise is when you lift somebody up or you exalt them. So we actually exhibit praise when we live and when we talk with other people. When you talk to somebody and you say, I really appreciate you, you know what you've just done? You've just praised them. Okay? Praise and worship are not identical, although they do overlap, and there are some things that overlap in praise and, and worship. We don't worship other people. We worship God alone. But the aspect of praise, the, the definition of praise has to do with shining, has to do with building up, has to do with exalting. And we do that with people. And we do that with God also. So I would say to you that, that we often practice praise, but we don't necessarily realize it. When you tell your child they just did something good, you know what you did? You just praised your child. And children thrive on praise. If I can give you a parenting tip, I've had four children, and they still call me dad, especially when they're hungry. Um, but you want to see somebody's face light up, you look at your child and you praise them. And literally their face lightens up. And you say, well, what good did they do? Well, did they flush the toilet? Did they, you know, sometimes you say they did 10 things wrong. Find the one thing they did right. Find the one thing they did right, and you watch what your child does. I still, I, I'm a, I thrive. I got to be honest with you. When people come to me, I have my parents, when they say something good to me, you know what it does to me? It builds me up. So, praise is what we do when we, we talk to somebody and we encourage them, we, we say something good about them, what we've done is we praise them. That's the same with God. 
That's the same with our relationship with God. How do you think God responds when we praise Him? God likes to hear praise. I've got a few verses I'd, I'd like to share with you. If you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles. And I, I appreciate you this morning, um, Karen, sharing on that verse from Samuel where David was dancing before the Lord. That is actually an aspect of praise. One of the definitions of praise is to dance, to be jubilant, to celebrate. And I heard it once on TV, and I really liked it, or on a show on TV, where the guy says, I dance, but I dance ugly. That would be me. So, um, I can do a two-step, and then I can do a face plant. So, we're not going to uh, talk about my dancing, but I want to show you some th thoughts about praise. And this is where David was preparing the temple. So, if you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 22... Sorry, 23. And David is preparing the temple, and, and I've been reading this in my devotions, and then I took a few more uh, times to, to read it again. In verse 5, chapter 1 Chronicles 23, verse 5. And, and in this passage, David is setting aside, and he's putting order into how the temple should function and how the temple should operate. And he, and he actually has the Levites who were a tribe that was totally dedicated to the service of God. So one of the tribes of Israel was totally dedicated. Everything they did, they were not permitted to do the things that the rest of the tribes did. They were totally committed and given to God. And David starts to take them and he starts to divide them up and to give them um, responsibilities and it says they were numbered from 30 years old and upward, and their number by census of men was 38,000. So they had 38,000 men over 30 years old. And of those, 24,000 were to oversee the work of the house of the Lord, and 6,000 were officers and judges, and 4,000 were gatekeepers, and 4,000, this is in verse 5, 4,000 were praising the Lord with the instruments which David made for giving praise. 4,000 of them were dedicated just to give praise. Praise is important. Praise is important. Praise is something that when David designed the tabernacle or the temple, and when he designed it all and he gave responsibilities to the Levites, he actually said, there's 4,000 of you, which is a little bit more than 10%. I want 4,000 of you. All you're going to do is you're just going to be praising God. Can you imagine coming into this facility and 24 hours a day having people worshiping and praising God. That's what the picture was like when David set up the original temple and built it. He didn't build it. He designed it. He had plans and he got everything ready for it. But he had 4,000 were praising the Lord with the instruments which God made for giving praise. What are some of the instruments? Well, we have them here. We also have them in our fingers. We have them in our mouth. You and I have instruments among us or within us. 4,000 
We're praising the Lord. And this is how David was setting up and establishing the, the temple and how he wanted to see it operate. If you were to continue down to verse 30 in that same chapter. And he's talking about how their duties and he explains their duties. And then he says, and they are to stand every morning to thank and to praise the Lord and likewise at evening. Praise is important to God. So when we come Sunday morning, we don't come just to sing songs. We come to worship. We come to praise God. There's something amazing that happens in a corporate gathering. And there's verses, there's a number of verses, especially in Psalms, where he talks about gathering together and there's praise. There's power in praise. There's something amazing that happens when we all gather together. But the praise doesn't just begin when we show up. Sunday morning when I wake up, it's not like, oh, I better get my praise on. You know, I better find that Christian station, turn it on, and, and you know, boy, I hope I can sing okay this morning. It's not, that's not what praise is about. And you might live like that, and, and you know what? That's okay if you live like that, but that's not where you should stay. Don't stay just on a Sunday morning I'm going to rev my motor up and I'm going to go to God's house. I want to encourage you to develop a lifestyle of praise that is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because God doesn't sleep. God doesn't take breaks. God is for you and he can do amazing things on a Monday that he didn't do on a Sunday. He can do something on Tuesday that you thought should happen Monday or Sunday, but he decided to do it Tuesday. And part of that is the fact that when we come to praise him, we build him up, and it says that he is enthroned on the praises of Israel. So when we, wait, he's the king and he's enthroned on the praises. He sits on the praises of Israel. And David here paints a picture of the importance of praise. That is why praise is very important in this house. Praise is important here. There's something that happens in the spiritual realm, and in the spiritual realm, things are broken that we get to see and experience in the physical realm. There's power in praise. If you can turn in your Bibles, I want you to see something in Psalms, Psalms 145. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 145, verse 4. I'll just read the first few verses. How do you praise God? How can I praise God? What do I say? You know, the first few times I praised God out loud, I, I, I felt weird. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, the first few times I praise God out loud, I think, is anybody listening? Yeah. Did somebody just hear that? Hearing your own voice out loud, sometimes it takes a little bit of getting used to. The first few times my wife and I prayed together and I prayed out loud for my wife, it was weird. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Because it wasn't something I normally did. But the more you do it, the more it becomes familiar to you. The more it doesn't freak you out. The more it, it doesn't sound weird. 
So how do you praise God? Well, if you go anywhere in the Psalms, just about, just about any Psalm, in fact, I would say every Psalm, you can find a reason. Any page in this book, you can find a reason to praise God because this book is all about Jesus. This book describes and gives a picture of Jesus. The Old Testament painted pictures of Jesus that he fulfilled in the New Testament. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. Every day. Every day I will bless you. Praise is not on the seventh day of the week or the first day of the week. It's on every day. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. You cannot get to the end of God's greatness. You can't get to the end of how great He is. You can never exhaust how great God is. You can never over-exaggerate how good God is. You can never over-exaggerate. And we live in a world of exaggerators. They're called politicians. We've grown up exaggerating. You look at a little child. I just ate every, there's nothing in the house. You know? I'm going to starve. What did they learn how to exaggerate. Try to exaggerate God. He's greater than anything you could ever say or expand on or even try to explain. Try it. Just try to exaggerate just try to, to say something about God that he isn't. God, you're so great. Well, he's better than great. And his, his greatness is unsearchable. And listen to this. If you want to learn how to praise, you want to teach your kids how to praise, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. How do you praise God? You start teaching your children how to praise God. You start telling them about what God did. You start saying, God is good. God is great. You start talking about, you know what? God helped me. God saved me. This last summer, I was fishing up at Hendricks Lake, and I had in my boat uh, three or four of the Molkler children. And it was hilarious. And I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if I've told you this or not, but we were fishing. And we had 10 worms. And we went and caught the worms ahead of time. And, and then I had this chain that had loops on it. And every loop represented a fish. And that way you'd, you, know, you just hook it on the side of the, your boat. And you put it in the, the water. And that way the fish stays fresh till you get out. And uh, so we were fishing. And I had the, the boys at the back. And I'm working on the motor. So they're holding the fishing lines. And all of a sudden, they get one. Oh, you know what their first words were? And I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not lying when I say this. Their first words were, praise God. <laughs> I mean, I don't even say that when I get a fish on line. Their first words, I'm not kidding, praise God. They start reeling it in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's what they were saying the whole time they're reeling it in. Not just one of them. 
Not just two of them, but all three of them. I think there was at least three. There might have even been more because they all wanted to go fishing. But the moment they got a fish on the line, they started praise God. Do you know what I realized? They were just showing me their lifestyle in their house. Because they couldn't drum that up. They couldn't just say, oh, I'm with pastor now. I need to talk like this. A parent might be able to do that, but a 10-year-old, I mean, they get a fish online, they're going to say the first thing that comes to mind. You know, I've heard it. Even adults do that too, by the way. It was hilarious. I mean, they were more spiritual than I was. They were commanding those fish to come, and I'm thinking, Lord, i got to have these kids with me all the time. I had actually fished there the week before, and I caught nothing. I felt like the disciples. So we caught these fish, so we bring one in. And this happened time and time and time again. We had 10 spaces. How many do we got on the the chain, Pastor David? Four of them. Okay, we need six more, Jesus. God, we need six more fish. Then it got to the point where how many do we have left? I said, we got three more. Okay, we got three more fish, Jesus. How many worms do we got? I said, we got one worm or two worms. Jesus, we need to save the worms and still catch the fish. (laughs) So when the fish takes the hook, Pastor David needs to be able to get the fish off the hook without disturbing the worm. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, the three of them are talking like this in the boat. I'm the pastor. God help me. You know what they were doing? They were praising Jesus. They were praising him. And by the way, we caught 10 fish, and we caught enough with the worms that we had. I'm thinking, Lord, i got to rub off on these. These kids got to rub off on me. But what it showed me was the words they spoke were the words that they speak around their house. Because you can never have a child trick you with what they say. In a moment of emotion, they will speak the first thing that comes to their mind. And what I saw there was Adrian and Charlene have taught their children how to praise God. They have taught their children to have, and how do they do that? It's by what they say in their house. I've had other children around me, close to the same size, even smaller, that have used other words. And don't be afraid, it's none of the kids here and it's none of the parents here. It's, it's none of that. But I've heard words come out of children that haven't been praise words. And you know what it does? It reflects what's spoken in the house. You want to teach your children how to praise? You start talking like it in the house. You start thanking God for the food that He gave you. You start thanking Him that you've got a job. You start thanking Him for the beautiful weather. You start thanking Him for a lovely wife. You start thanking Him that you are doing this, that you are getting... And what happens is it starts to rub off and get into your children. You don't have to sit them down and say, Children, I'm going to teach you how to praise. You just start doing it with what you're saying and what you're doing and how you're living. It says, One generation shall praise your works to another... My parents told me and Daniel and my other brothers about what God had done for them. My parents would tell us stories of what God had done for them. 
Pastor Winona and myself have done that with our children. And I know Pastor Daniel has done that with Pastor Brenda and their children. Take time to tell your children about what God has done, the good things He has done. Teach them. And what that does is that gives them an attitude of praise. Praise is not just coming in the morning to worship God Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Praise is 24-7. If you can go into Psalm 100. Give your fingers enough time to get it on your smartphones. Psalm 100. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. If there's no other reason to praise him, it's because he's good. He's better than you. He's better than me. The Lord is good. Look at somebody and say, God is good. God is good. God is good. We have grown up in a society where people think God is bad. We have grown up in a society where people do not expect any good thing from a God that loves them and cares for them. Why? I don't understand why, but they have been fed a lie from the enemy. We live in a society where people do not think God loves them enough that He would heal them. And that's not just outside there. That's even in the church. There are people in churches that don't believe God loves them enough to heal them. I don't deserve it. No, you don't deserve it. He just gives it to you. Man, if you had to deserve it, you'd have to do all these crazy things. You don't have to do it. You just come to Him and He can do it. I was born into my family. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't do anything to earn the love of my dad. I came out and I was screaming when I came out and he said, I love him. <laughs> your children don't do anything to earn your love. You love them anyways. And if we can understand that man to man, it says how much more your heavenly father You don't have to do anything to deserve God's love. Now, I know there's things I do because I love Him, but I don't do it to get His love. Okay? I don't do something in order to get approved. I'm approved, and because I'm approved, I do things. Okay? And if you get that backwards, what happens is you start looking for his approval. You start looking for works. You start looking for him to stamp this. You start looking. And every time something doesn't work, because things don't always work the way you think, what happens is it paints a picture of a God who doesn't care. It paints a picture of a father who doesn't love you. It paints a picture of, I've got to do this. I've got to try that. No, God loves you. You start from the basis of that He loves you. Before you were born, He sent His Son to save you and to heal you and to give you life everlasting. He did not consult you on that. 
He didn't say, David, what do you think and should you do? He just said, David, I've sent my son so that you could have eternal life, that this relationship could be restored. And it's because of that I do things. I don't do things to earn the love of my dad. I do things because I love my dad. And I served my dad literally because I loved him. And then him in turn paid me pretty good. Come on, somebody smile. Can't we have some fun? When you serve the Lord your God, he will always take care of you. But I don't do things in order to get his approval. He approves of me. He loves me. And because of that, I function and I flow. It's a whole conversation of being who you are and not doing. I don't do things to be. I be things. And because I'm a being, I do things. I'm not called a human doing. I'm called a human being. Psalm 100 Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And I just told you in the other verse that we tell it to our children and generation to generation. There should be a sound of joy when we come into this place. But it doesn't just happen here. It happens everywhere. But there's something amazing that happens when we gather together and we worship. There's something powerful, dynamic, exponential that happens that doesn't just happen when I'm alone with God, although that's amazing. But it's powerful when we gather together and we worship together. There's something about the corporate gathering together. Praise. There's power in praise. There's power in praise. I would challenge you as a pastor to have the first word that comes out of your mouth when you get a flat tire. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. There's that crazy commercial on TV. I kind of laugh at it because I know this is human tendency where the guy gets in a car accident. And he goes, and then the guy says, fix it auto. What is the first word that comes to your mind when something bad happens? I mean, it's real easy when things are going good. I mean, we can slap everybody's back. We can give high fives to everybody. We can say, oh, what do you do when things aren't going the way you'd like? That's when praise really becomes praise. That's when you turn the tables on the enemy. That's when you wreak havoc in the world because they expect you to do this and you turn around and you praise him. And you want to see example after example. You read the Psalms. The Psalms are amazing. In one verse he's praising God and the next verse he's saying, God help me. It doesn't deny what's happening, but what it does is puts God into the picture. Praise brings God into the picture. What's happening with Shawnee what's happening with my wife, it, I can't deny it. It's happening. But either I can live there or I can say, no, I'm going to praise God. And even in all this, I'm still going to praise God. That's a decision you make. And what I found is it was really easy to talk about living above the noise. And all of a sudden, I got a whole load of noise. 
praise. Praise. Let that be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. My dad, he would have something happen, and he'd just say, hallelujah. He said it so many times that the pastor that I grew up with, that was a pastor at our church, Pastor John Carlson, I remember him once saying to my dad, he says, he looks at my dad, my dad's name is Benny. He says, Benny, you amaze me. Every time something bad happens, you just say, praise God. And I started to take notice. And my dad's equipment that he had around the house wasn't always perfect. So, you know, you'd run it for 10 minutes and then there'd be a flat tire or the, the, the tractor wheels would come off. I mean, there was always constant repair and maintenance. And every time, no matter how stressful, how crazy it was, I'd look at my dad and I'd hear my dad say, Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. I am not kidding when I say that. That is something I have determined in my life that I would do. Because I thought my dad can do it. He's taught me how to do it. I'm going to do it. Praise. I want to give you a few thoughts about praise. Praise is not a reaction. It's a first response. When you react, what happens is it, 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 quite often reactions are not thoughts. They're not thought through. Have you ever said, my, why did I do that? But a response has a calculated thought behind it. I was reading or, or I was reading a book or listening to a fella talk about how they trained soldiers in the army. And they had to teach them how to think and to respond in a certain manner. So what they did was they barraged them with noise. They surrounded them with noise and all this stuff. And then they would make them have to make a decision that was an immediate decision. And what they did was they taught them, no matter what was happening around them, to respond in a certain way. And they trained them to respond. And some people say they trained them to react. Well, that may be, but their reaction became because of what they were trained. I love watching hockey. I, like, I love sports. Especially when my boys take me to the game. I'm just throwing out seeds there. <laughs> They're going to grow and you watch a championship team, and you watch a team that's not a championship team, and you find out that the skill level is virtually the same. The, the difference of skill level between just about all the players, I mean, there's a few select players that are amazing, but generally the skill level is the same in sport. But what happens is it's the difference here that causes a champion to rise. And what happens is they talk about these guys that think the game. This guy's a thinker. And what they're saying is, what happens is, at the end of the season, after 82 games of hockey, their bodies are worn out, they are exhausted, they're physically exhausted and pushed to the limit, and they will say it's in the moments of exhaustion that mistakes will happen. 
And all of a sudden, a guy will push the puck right into the middle, right to another team on the other, a player on the other team. And they say, why did he do that? He's got all the skill. He did that because he was exhausted and he couldn't think. In the same way that happens in our lives, we can get so exhausted, so full, so tired of this not working, that not working, this not happening. I'm tired of this. Do you know what? I had to do this. I had to work with my children. I had to put them to bed. My, the kids wear us out. I don't want to say that too loud, but man, I had four. Adrian, Pastor Daniel, my heart is for you. You guys are like amazing. But there are times of exhaustion. There are times when the enemy is throwing everything at you. Life is happening and all this stuff is getting thrown at you. And at that moment, something else happens and it's like the hair that that snaps the camel's back. And at that moment, what do you do? Do you praise? Or do you say, give me five minutes and I'll repent? (laughs) I thank God for repentance. But there's a better way. It's called praise. How do you develop it? You develop it by saying, I'm going to train myself and I'm going to say praise God when something good happens and I'm going to say praise God when the door is slammed in my face. I'm going to say praise God when I got enough money and I'm going to say praise God when I'm scratching dimes together. I'm going to praise God when I've got a nice full plate of food and I'm going to praise God when I've got dry bread and water. I'm going to praise. And what you do is you determine and you develop and you train yourself So that the response that comes out of you is actually from your heart. Because it says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And from the abundance of my heart, my heart is full of praise. So anything that happens is going to be praise. It's going to be laced with praise. It's going to be bathed in praise. It's going to be full of praise. And I don't care what somebody yells at me, screams at me, tells me I'm this, tells me that. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to learn how to praise God in those situations. So I want to give you a few thoughts about that. Praise is not a reaction. It's a response. Your response sets the table for your mind, your body, and your soul. What you determine to do, your body, your soul, they follow. Your response reveals your intentions. If you really want to know what happens, you put somebody in the pressure cooker and you'll find out what's really inside them. I mean, life is great until the wheels fall off. Your response reveals your heart. Praise, listen to this, praise does not wait for something to happen. Praise makes things happen. If you wait for something to praise God about, you might praise God about two or three things a day and you'll have 25 to 30 things that you complain about. But if you decide, I'm going to praise God even in the storm, it will change what happens around you and in you and beside you. You say, no, it won't. Try it. Do a scientific study. A scientific study says you have to do at least three. So don't come to me and say, I did it for one day. Try it for three days. 
And everything that happens to me, I'm going to start praising God. I'm going to start thanking God. You say, well, I don't feel like it. You know what? Praise is not based on how you feel. <laughs> man, if praise was based on how we felt, man, I wouldn't even get out of bed some mornings. Praise. <laughs> You're listening, man. Tomorrow morning, I'm expecting praise God when you roll over that screen door. Good morning, Uncle. Praise God. Praise doesn't base itself on what you feel. I don't live based on how I feel. I have found in the last six weeks, my emotions have been all over the place. If I lived based on how I felt, man, I'd be a basket case. I do not base my praise on my feelings. My feelings turn around based on my praise. And there's some tough days. There is. It doesn't change my praise. Praise is an initiator. Praise initiates things. Praise causes something to happen in the spiritual realm that changes what's happening in the physical realm. Don't separate the spiritual and the natural. Don't just say, oh, that's all spiritual. There's some amazing things that happen in the spiritual that cause and, and change things in the physical. Now, I know that there's a spiritual world, but sometimes I think we, we have a dichotomy and we place, well, everything here is spiritual and everything here is natural. I know there's natural things and I know there's spiritual things, but there's an amazing connection between them. And praise may start because I broke, I had a flat tire, and it may come over here, and all of a sudden it changes some of the things and the tactics of the enemy, and it comes back by peace of mind. It comes back through sound thinking. It comes back through relaxing. It comes back through peace, comfort, joy. Praise is not just something that we do Sunday morning. So how do you make it a lifestyle? You determine, you determine, you decide, I'm going to start praising. You change yourself from a victim to saying, no, I'm not going to live like a victim. I'm going to live like a child of God. I'm not going to live based on all these things that people say. I'm going to base on what God's Word says. His word says that he loved me. His word says that he loved me so much he sent his son. His word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Last time I checked, all things meant all things. It didn't have an addendum that said, oh, by the way, it doesn't include this. There is power in praise. So how do you make it a lifestyle? You decide. It's not 17 steps. It's one decision. It's one decision. I don't know what you're facing. I know what some of you are facing. I know what I'm facing. And I have decided to praise. I think Joshua stood in front of the people. He said, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord.
Your praise comes from the decisions you make, not from the situations that happen. So I want to challenge you as a pastor, as your pastor, to change the words that come out of your mouth to words of praise. And if you don't know what to praise, read Psalms. <laughs> read Psalms. And, and as we read this morning, Psalm 150, the last few verses, whatever has breath, praise the Lord. I mean, if you've got breath, it says praise the Lord. Jesus says, if you don't praise me, the rocks and the stones, they'll cry out. I don't know what you're up against. But I know who's with you. Not only is God with you, but if you look around, I have found great solace, great comfort when I look around and I see people that are going, go for it. Don't quit. Don't stop. I have found great solace in, in horizontal relationships. I have found great solace in my vertical relationship. So I want to encourage you this morning. There's power in praise. There is power in praise. Shift your thinking so instead of focusing on the situation, you start focusing in, on God. And you say, God, you're a good God. You're smarter than this. As kids, we think, saying that song, God is bigger than the boogeyman or something like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I pray for you this morning? Or this afternoon? I want to ask God to come and to be with you. But also, I'm going to ask God to quicken you in your minds that you will turn the situations into an opportunity to praise, into doing a happy dance, into lifting your hands, into kneeling. These are all words for praise into shouting, into shining, into raving, into being mad in a, in a way that's like just unexplainable. Not mad as angry. Mad as almost like insanity. It doesn't make sense. I'm mad for my king. David, when he danced, he was the king, and yet he humbled himself, and people, his wife thought he this looked atrocious. But he says, I'd do that, and I'd even do more for my king. So if you identify with any of this this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to stand I'm just going to ask you all to close your eyes. And as I pray, I want to encourage you to take a moment to make a personal conversation with Jesus. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. Lord, we don't always know what's going to happen next. 
but you're already there. And I trust you. I will lean not on my understanding, but I will trust you. And Jesus, I ask that you would help me to take the situations around me and to turn them into praise even when I don't feel like it. But I would learn to praise and I'd learn to have the power of praise evident in my life. So Lord, this morning I decide to praise. I speak that over everyone here today, God. Lord, that I decide to praise. I decide to praise. I make a decision that I will praise you. I make a decision that the things that happen around me will not dictate, but my decision will be I will praise you. Why don't you just take 30 seconds and just praise Him. Just take 30 seconds. Hallelujah. Oh, I praise you, God. I praise you that you're smart. I praise you that you're strong. I praise you that you're, you're a God of peace. Lord, I praise you because your greatness is like unsearchable. God, I praise you because you know the beginning and the end, and you know the end from the beginning. Lord, I praise you because there's no surprises to you. Lord, I praise you because you are marvelous. I praise you, God, because you saw me before I was even born, and you destined me for today. Praise you, Jesus. And if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to let Him start changing your decisions. Repentance is a change of mind. It says in Romans that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Lord, I pray, and if there's anyone here, you can just join me in this. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now that you would forgive my sins, that you would cleanse me and make me whole. And I declare that you are my Savior, and I believe that you are Jesus who rose from the dead to redeem and to save my life from destruction. And help me, Jesus, to learn how to praise you in every situation. Amen. Amen. God bless you. May you have an amazing week. May God give you only a few reasons to praise Him in the tough situations, but lots of good reasons.